0: We have so much, as, as, as Mike was saying in his prayer. There's just We have so much in Christ. And that's the thought that, that God began to develop in me as he was counseling me this morning. When you read the book of Ephesians, and that's where he got my attention again, where he had to get my attention to focus, was in the, is in the epistle to Ephesians. And we've said before, this is the height of the manifest glory of God through Christ and through his church, which is us. And how, again, just revealing to me again this morning, constantly, that, the, that literally the only reason that God <clears throat> gives us grace is because it has to do with the glory of his son, it has to do with his glory. And of course, There can't be, and we're going to grow in the understanding of what it means to be loved by God. But there's always glory that's attached to it. They're inseparable. His love for us is so glorious because it has to do with the expression of himself. And then when you even read in Psalm 11, verse verse 7 it says the righteous lord loves righteousness and what that's bringing out is he loves the righteousness of who his son is in us and who we are in him because he gave us his son and that's what it says in psalm 11 verse 7 the righteous lord and that's an expression of his nature character in essence which has to do with his glory and even that, it goes into Genesis 22 and verse 7, uh, verse 8, that God provided himself a lamb. And, uh, but for us in Christ, and I started to number them, and I had to stop because God was given so many other different things that are all of ours in Christ. But that word in, in the book of Ephesians, is so incredible. And, and again, I think it's like somebody has said, I think it's like a, roughly about 86 times that little word in is in the book of Ephesians, and that speaks of our position in Christ. And that's why even in, in Romans 8, verse 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are, that's a, that's a reality, in an in eternal reality that God so deeply wants us to experience presently, that we are in Christ Jesus. And that's why the rest of that verse doesn't say, to them that walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because that has to do with God's view of us. For us to see God's view, it goes into Romans 8, verse 4. And we dim the view through the flesh. We dim our own image and and reduce the very glory of God himself. But in Christ Jesus, when we look at the book of Ephesians, in Christ Jesus, as God has so beautifully taught us and how we have to be constantly reminded, is the definition of every single believer that's in Christ. And it, it, it defines them as a people that are identified with the one man, literally the one man who's entered into the presence of God. And that's what it says in Romans 6, verse 10. For in that he died, he died once unto sin. He died unto sin once. But in that he lives, look what it says, he lives unto who? God. And that's why, uh, that's what the love of Christ is constantly doing, constraining us, drawing our sin and holding us as in a vice. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and, and, and is beautiful, and I'll just read that, and then and hopefully we can get into at least some of the, of the content of this reality of being in Christ. And Second Corinthians 5, verse 14 says, for the love of Christ, what? It constrains us, it holds us in a vice. Now that's an immovable position, something that sin cannot touch, but oh, how he desires that to be in our experience so that we literally become the expression of the glory and grace and truth that Christ is to the glory of God. So for the love of Christ constrains us, everybody, No, in this context that's us, us that are in Christ, because we thus discern. We've discerned this and the only way, where does discernment uh, come from, it comes from in an, an experience, it's a positional truth but it's got to enter into the experience and thereby we have discernment and so because we thus discern that if one died that's Christ he was the only one that would be capable right, for all did he die potentially for all in dealing with the sin question in John one twenty nine, yes that then, if one died, what? For all, then all were what? Dead. All were spiritually separated from Christ. Now, we aren't any longer in opposition, but can we be in our experience? So, all are dead. Why did one have to die? Because it can only be one that could give the, to the life to as many as would receive him in John 1.12. So, in verse 15, and that he died for all, that's a reality, he did die for all, that they which live, it doesn't say all, does it? That they which live, all are dead, but only they which live, and that means those that have received Christ as their Savior, having their old sin nature crucified, in Romans 6, 1-6, through 6, and now they live, in 6, 11, and 12 of Romans, unto him, that they which live, And Christ is our life, is he not? In Colossians 3, 4. And that he died for all, that they which live, they which have this life of Christ, listen to what it says, should not from that point on live unto themselves. Because you can only live unto the flesh. Separated from God. That they which live should not from now on live unto themselves, but separated from all that. Unto him which died for them and what and rose again. We'll get into a little bit about the the resurrection. And there's so much that ties us into the word in in the book of Ephesians that I have yet to even begin to keep up with what God is giving. And when I say He's giving it to me, it's all of ours in Christ. But in Christ you can mark this down In Christ is a language of a complete identification. Who we are has been completed in Christ. Individually, yes. Individually, it's complete identification. And the reason is because in Galatians 2.20 and Colossians 3, verse 3, when we received him, we received the fact that we were crucified with him on the cross. So many, by faith. So many times we say Christ, he not only died for us, which he did, but he died as us. He had to be in our place. That's a, that's a substitute, okay? Because we weren't fit because the substitute had to have no, no blemish, no spot in, in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4 and Numbers 19 and verse 2. He couldn't have any spot, and that's why it was him. One, one had to die for all because we were all dead, but now we died with him, and in dying with him, who in Colossians 3, 3, where you died, and your life is hidden. It's hidden with Christ in God. And Christ, who is our life, in Colossians 3, verse 4, when he appears, listen to what it says, we will appear with him in what? Glory. <laughs> so everything that Christ did for us by by God the father giving us his son has all to do with glory but the only way we can experience that is through what grace and the truth in John 1:14 that Christ is himself and we are in him his resurrection was the declaration of our acceptance with him in his work no question in his work and his place in his place so from that point on now like it says here okay that they which live right in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15 that they which live it says henceforth should not live unto themselves but unto him that died and rose again and and literally this is what it says right because from the point that you and I were received him and we were in him the perfect completion and perfect measure of God's acceptance of us and his son, from that moment on, from that moment on, henceforth the eye of God sees us only in him. What do we see? And there's where the position we need to be taught, how it goes into the experience, how that does. So, when I look at these things, when you look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 1 through 23, When you look at those verses and and go into, when you go into the second chapter, and we don't have the the time right now because specific things I I hope and believe that God wants for us. But this is, that has to do with our position in Christ. Ephesians 1, 1 through 23 is our position in Christ. In in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 1, it says, And you has he given life. He's enlivened you. Why? Because who were dead? In trespasses and sins. We were dead, separated from him. Not only doing what we knew better to do, but did it anyway, trespass. But in sins. So there were sins of omission and sins of commission. That is an absolute reality. That's a reality. It's an absolute reality. Now, verse 2 says, Wherein, notice that? Wherein, in time past, You walked, you allowed your lives, and I did, apart from Christ. We walked and allowed our lives to be governed according to the course of this world. Did you know that the enemy, for the believer, still in Christ, still has a course that he wants them to walk in? Of course, and he'll do that through deception, right? And In Revelation 12, 9, he deceives the whole world. So a Christian that lives in the flesh is living in the world... And he, he dictates what they're going to do based upon the desires that he puts in their flesh. And then you walk according to the course, to the path that the enemy has, right? And he does that through, through deception. And deception comes in, can come into us as, when we function in the flesh experientially, because that's Obadiah verse 3. It's through pride. Through pride we're deceived. Serious. Through pride we become deceived. So he deceives us. But for believers, listen, he doesn't accuse those that are un, unsaved, those that aren't in Christ. Revelation 12.10, he accuses those that are in Christ. He accuses the brethren. That's why he wants you and I to make our course in the world. Through pride, being deceived, not doing things we know we shouldn't do doing them anyway how long does that take Whew. yeah doing things that we want to do just and, and deceiving us that and somehow if you fulfill this lust pattern in your flesh that you'll be okay you'll be content just so by the time you swallow that he can accuse you and he can accuse me and you has he enlivened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Now, are we headed to another whole world? Oh, we sure are. That's called heaven. We're headed to another whole world. Not this world. <laughs> this eternal, temporal, blink-your-eyes life. We're headed to the world of pure light. According to the, When you walk according to this world, it's according to the prince of the power of the air. And you know, you breathe in bad air, how does it affect your health? You breathe in pure air to the pure in Titus one fifteen, all things are pure. But to the unbelieving, those that know better, even in, as Christians, and don't do it, even their conscience is defiled, becomes defiled. Right? That's because of the accusation. They walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Now, has our obedience been fulfilled in Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Look at verses 4, 5, especially verse 6. Okay? It's been fulfilled. But we can walk just like the children of the world. We can act just like them. Just be be just like them. What are we? Verse 3 says, among whom also we all had our lifestyle, that's conversation, in times past, in what? The lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Where did those come from? Where did the flesh come from? Where did the fallen nature come from? The desires of the flesh and then of the mind. So my whole mind is set on what I believe I need for contentment in my flesh. But, and were by nature, by this fallen nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Now, does God have wrath towards us that, that now that we're in Christ? No. But plenty of loving discipline. Plenty. But God, here's the separation. Who is rich in what? Mercy. He's rich in who he is in himself. You can see that in Exodus 34, verse 6. The very nature, character, and essence of God revealed. Who is rich in mercy for his great love... I mean, how is he going to love us? And how does he still love us in Christ? He loves us because of our position. Where does that, where do we have the fellowship, though, in the experience? But if I I live in the lust of the flesh, am I living in the experience of his love? No. But he still loves us because his mercy is not giving us what we deserve to get so that we have a proper experience based upon our position, so that grace comes in and he adds to us and multiplies to us things that we don't deserve to get. He's a great mathematician. (laughs) Subtraction and addition, listen, that goes into eternity and that goes into the multitude, the multiplying of eternity. Even, listen, but God who was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins. He made us alive together. Notice that. We just don't live for ourselves. Listen to that. Listen to this this morning. We do not live to ourselves. That's selfishness. We don't live to ourselves, do we? We just read it in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15, that they that live should from now on stop living unto themselves, but unto Him. And if you live unto Christ, does it have to do with others? Yes. It's a lonely way to live. It can get shaken so easily and God will shake it like only He can. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 to 29, He, he will do the shaking because He's going to shake areas that can be shaken so that what can't be remains, and there's our contentment. Okay? And even when he shakes us, it's to bring us to an experiential reality of our contentment in Christ. Okay? That they which live should stop living unto themselves. Right? Philippians 2.3, esteem others better than yourself. Right? 1 John 3.18, Love not in word or in tongue, but in deed, and in truth. Philippians 2.4, Look not on your own things, but on the things of others. And let that whole mindset, that whole thought process, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And two five, of Philippians. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, where he loved us, even when we were dead, separated from him based upon our sins, he has enlivened us. Listen to what it says. Together, we're not living unto ourselves together with Christ, together with him, because that's what grace has delivered us to. For by grace you are saved. He didn't didn't deliver us just so we could be free and live to our flesh, to ourselves. You know, when everything is going the way we think it should go, everything is great. The moment it doesn't, now what? The unexpected part of God's plan Will find out and show me where I'm living. That's right. It will. Am I living for myself? Or is it for Christ? And if it is, it's others. There's no question about it. Did he esteem others better than himself? Yeah. God. So when we live unto him, do we live unto those that are his? Yeah. Yeah because they become the joint that supplies me that I can't have in myself. And you know, there is a measure of that that he has in Ephesians 4.16. And he's raised us up, what? Look at what it says, what? Together, in other words, we're to be taught resurrection life, how? Together. Together. And made us, oh, he has to do that. How long does that take? How long does he have to make us rest in what he's done? Experientially, what he's already done in our position. He, what? And raised us up together and made us sit. I don't want to sit. Why? I'm discontented. I'm restless. I can't rest. Why? I'm going to tell you. And I can't rest when it's an area of the flesh. And neither can you. Sit together in the heavenlies. Where? Look. In. Christ Jesus, that in the eternity of the eternity, (laughs) the ages, the eternity of the eternities to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his, what grace, does that have to do with glory, in his kindness toward us, who? Through Jesus Christ. Everything we do, is it through Jesus Christ? If not, guess what it's through in the believer, the flesh, my desire's I'm going to manipulate, I'm going to try and make things. You know, basically, what I'm going to try and do is twist God's arm in the plan. Yeah. Have fun with that one. You're fighting against God. You may think you're fighting against individuals. Okay? And that's very dishonest if we understand the Scriptures, by the way. And when we're in Christ, listen, we're not, we're not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood blood and flesh in Ephesians six twelve. 12. We're wrestling against God in Acts five thirty nine, And there's no rest in that one. Get into Genesis, the 32nd chapter, and watch how Jacob wrestled. And we wrestle. And you know what God has to do just to make us rest? He has to wound us. That's right. and, and, you know, He has to bring us to a place where we're weak, and weakness means I'm not... I, listen, okay, the flesh is not doing it. These desires I have are not doing it. I need strength. And when you're weak, guess what? You're strong. You know, he had to touch the thigh. He had to touch the thigh of Jacob. And you know what that meant? Every single step, he was weak and needed strength. Because if, I'm not, if I choose not to be weak, which I truly am, Then he sets in in process of growth and grace in 2 Peter 3.18. He sets right in place Psalm 102, verse 23. He weakens my strength. He's got to weaken it. How? Why? Because he has something against us or because he loves us? And thank God he shortens our days in the way. I love a text that Mike sent me. Um... And one thing stood out again, and God reminded me again. The time is short. The time is shortened, by the way. And I I do want to make it crystal clear. I I, I want to make it crystal clear. When, When I look at Mike Fenton, I look at a friend that loves me deeply. That's it, period, done. He's a gift. He loves me deeply. And so does he love you too. That is an established fact in my heart before God. That's a fact. It's a solid, solid, immovable fact because it has to do with the love of God and a vessel that just happens to be towards me very, very, very precious. Okay? And in in no way is God's love against us and in no way is God's love in us and in Mike and in me as a vessel, in any way is it against you. Now, is God against the flesh and the believer? But is that who we are? No. Okay? Now listen, here it is again in Matthew 12, 30, and in Mark 9, verse 40. He that is not with me is against me. Listen to that. He that is not with me, together, we're reading it in this context, is what? Is against me. And he that gathers not does what? Scatters abroad. I want everything just the way I want it and the way I think it should be so I can be content. God's not going to allow it. He's not going to allow it. And in proper initiation, he can't. And he won't. And neither will I, by the grace of Almighty God, because it's not up to me, it's up to him has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved. For by grace, you're saved positionally, but you're going to experience a continual deliverance through depending on him. Otherwise, the flesh comes in. God. God, how are you just making it day by day? you just getting by struggling okay listen i'm going to tell you that is in me and in anyone else that is the struggle of the flesh that's right and that's what god's separating in hebrews 4:12 soul living can a christian live in soul living yeah everything's about me when it's all set and everyone's around me then i got it not happening It just is not happening. Hebrews 4.12 The word of the Lord is living and powerful and the word of Christ. The word that Christ is is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder. It's very precise. Soul living. Flesh. From spirit. Living unto Christ and then doing everything. Guess what? Together. Together. That's a key word for us here this morning. For by grace you are stayed and you will continue to be so through dependence. And that not of yourself. It doesn't have to do with your own personal desires and, and interest. And furthermore, listen, make it clear. is making it clear. Fellowship in 1 John 1, 1 through 3 is the Greek word kinonia K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. kinonia. It's setting aside private interests and desires for the benefit of the whole. I'm not living to myself anymore. It has to do with everybody. Oh, and then you mean to tell me I experience a supply from everybody? Because it's Christ? Oh, that's exactly. No wonder we need to be in our proper place in a local assembly. Isn't that very interesting? And that's something only God can do, and He's doing it, and He will do it. And he will do it, and we'd be nuts, not so, not to follow. Yeah. You are saved, for by grace are you delivered and kept positionally, but experientially through faith dependence, and that is not of yourselves. It's not left up to us to make the decisions. God has an order for that, and he's established it, by the way. Not of yourselves. Your life is not of you. It is the gift of God. Is that Christ? And if it's Christ, is it others? Not of works. Struggling. Ah, This thing's going to make me content. That thing's going to make me content. This person's going to make me content. That thing's going to make me content. No. All that live like God in Christ, 1 Timothy 6, 6, Godliness, being like God with what? Contentment is what? Great gain. What does that mean? I don't need anything else. And you know what leaders are? You know what leaders are? And I happen to believe in our realm that God by His, is raising up young men, but leaders are Mike and I, and you know what makes great leaders? Followers of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. I want to make that Crystal clear, and the time is short. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should brag and boast and glory in himself. For we, notice that? It's together. For we are his workmanship created. In Christ Jesus, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Is there any good in our flesh? John 6, 63, Romans seven eighteen. Absolutely nothing. Stop living for ourselves and start experiencing experience the life that Christ is in us with the body of Christ that he is establishing. Unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I don't want to. Excuse me, this is your path. You don't want to? Well, what path are you going to walk in? This world. This world. You're going to need to be around worldly people. Listen to me. You're going to need to be around worldly Christians. You're going to need that because that's your path that you chose when we choose not to be initiated to God. Okay? Okay. And we, we, listen, that's what sheep are. Okay? Remember, that's what sheep are. They can't clean themselves, protect themselves, guide themselves, and feed themselves. That can't be done. This isn't anything but what I thought was going to be shared this morning. Hopefully I can get some of it in, and I still have a little bit. I don't have anything. My times are in his hand, and so are yours. And Psalm 31, verse 15. How about that? Is, are our times in our hand or His hand? I don't know. 1 Corinthians 7.29, Time short. You know what the Greek says? It's shortened. Seriously, it's shortened. Ephesians 5.16, redeem the time. Revelations 10.6, you know why? Because God's given you so much time for His Son to be glorified in you and you to be blessed so that when you see Him, there won't be any shame. And 2 Timothy 1.12, because He doesn't have any for you In Hebrews 2.11, he doesn't have any for you. Do you have any for him? Right? Because in Revelations 10.6, time will be what? No more. We enter into the fixed state, the fixedness of eternity in Revelations 22.11. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them, allow ourselves to be governed by his works and not the working of our own flesh and mind. Look what it says and study it in Romans. This is for Christians. Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Read it. Amp will help you with that, the Amplified too. But it's called the minding of the flesh is death. The minding of the spirit is life. Well, why don't we have peace? Well, because I my experience the life that Christ is in me. Yes. Okay. Okay. If I am, I have that. But if it's based upon my own decisions, desires, do I have fellowship with him in my experience? Answer, no. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember, keep this constantly refreshed in your mind that you being in time, past Gentiles, unbelievers in the flesh, who who were called uncircumcision, that's all of us, us Greeks or all of those that aren't Jews, (laughs) who are called uncircumcised by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, the Jews. Isn't that interesting? But look at the marvel of God's plan. Flesh made by hands, right? Verse 12, that at that time you are without Christ. Why don't I have peace in my experience? Tell me why. I don't have peace. You know why? Because it's based upon the fleshly decisions and thoughts and desires of my mind. That you were without Christ. Now that's in terms of salvation. How about experientially? Being aliens You know, from a different planet. This doesn't even make any sense. Oh, does God make any sense? Does his plan make any sense to the fleshly Christian? Does it make a bit of sense? It doesn't make any sense, does it? That's right. She's not left up to our own choices, right? Strangers from another planet, from the commonwealth, notice that? From the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. I live like a stranger in my experience. Why? Because I'm lost in worldly, fleshly desires. I live like a stranger, from those promises that are in Christ in 2 Corinthians 1.20, yea and amen. Having what? No what? Hope. Flesh have any hope? Fleshly desires have any hope? Do is Christ in us the hope of glory in Colossians 1.27. Am I looking away from the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4.7 and looking at the vessel? When I look at the vessel and things aren't happening the way I think they should, guess what? I have no hope. Well, that's right. That's the place that God's bringing us to. Because if we live in the flesh, that's the place of helplessness and hopelessness. It's not the place that we are in Christ. But now, right? without God in the world, living as a believer with Christ in you, eternal life, headed for eternity, and living with no hope experientially. Does that make any sense? Does that make a lick of sense? without God in the world. Because I'm living in the world and when I live there in the flesh, do I experience God? No. But now, separation, contrast and conjunction. But when? Now, in Christ Jesus. Are we now in Christ Jesus? Yeah. You who sometimes were far off. I don't know. Huh. Am I far off in my experience? Far off. Are made near by what? The blood of Christ. Boy, I, we're going to have to get into this on Friday because this, I'm not even touching what God prepared in my little head for all of us. And the preparation was all of ours. Made nigh by the blood of Christ. And this is what I wanted to get to this morning. And this is what he was really speaking to me loudly about. For he is our peace. You want peace? You're not finding it anywhere but in Him, according to His will, according to His word, according to His initiation, according to His direction, His establishment and His place in us. He is our peace, who's made both one. Did you hear that? He's made us one. I don't think that person loves me. I, I, I said it again, I guarantee you. I know for a fact that I love you because God's love is in me. And I know for a fact that, that Mike Fenton loves me and loves everyone that's associated with me emphatically. And that's a fact. That's a solid, established, immovable fact. He's for me and I'm for him. And in that way, are we for each other? The same exact way, okay? Listen, he is our peace who has what? He's made both one. That's an answer to, and a completion to his prayer in John 17, 11, 21 and 22, and in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, oneness, not separateness, and trying to manipulate, and to think that I can cause the change in time. You know where that comes from? That's Daniel 7, 25. The enemy speaks great words against the Most High, thinking he can change times. And all that does is do what? Wear out the saints. (laughs) Just wear you out. Let me figure it out. No. Be still and let God lead. And there's an order of initiation in how that happens. And if you don't submit to it, you don't have peace. I don't know how else to say it. I do know how to say it this way, by his grace. He's broken down the middle wall of petition between us. Having abolished in his body the enmity. Listen to that. You want to live in enmity in the flesh? Strong, settled feelings of hatred against God, his plan. You fight God's plan. What are you fighting? The planner. And there's an initiation and an order. And you may not like that, and that's too bad. That's just too bad, isn't it? Who's made both one and broken down the middle of the petition between us. What's between us? that Christ hasn't accomplished. What's between me and him and going forward in the initiation of God's plan through his word through initiation? What what, what keeps that happening? The flesh. Fleshly desires, fleshly plans, not happening. No, it's not happening with me. I know it's not happening with Mike and I believe it's not. And it's not going to happen for any of us that are truly hungering and thirsting after Christ. Okay, because the time is very short for God to accomplish in us what he needs to accomplish in us individually together and then use us in these last days. Okay, these very last days that we're in as his church before he raptures us or multitudes before that will go home. He's broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his body the enmity. Read Romans 8, 7. Enmity, strong, settled feelings of hatred. I don't like the plan. And God says, well, I'm sorry. I feel so bad for you. No, he does not. And neither do I. Love you, but neither do I. Love you, love you, love you. With you, no matter. The law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make it in himself of two, what? One new man, so making what? Peace. Right? Right? And that he might reconcile both. <laughs> Any peace when two aren't reconciled? I don't. Know, there must be an order involved in that. Reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain, crucified the enmity. Thereby, thing that you, the enmity you're living in has already been crucified. But you know, you're experiencing the lie. You're experiencing a lie instead of the life. Right now. You know what it says here? And, and I think I have a little bit of time. I have 15 minutes to try and get into this. But look at what it says. I want us to see this. For he is our peace, right? Peace And the correlation of the scriptures is beyond any human being. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> Only the Holy Spirit can do that. This is Micah chapter 5. This is Micah chapter 5. This is God speaking to the, to the nation of Israel and what he's going to do in millennial reign. Hasn't been done yet. Even as nice and good as things are in Israel right now, it's not of God's doing. It's of man's. And you know what man does, how long that lasts. Not very long. Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Now gather yourself together in troops. I don't know. How about in type for us as believers? How about Hebrews 10, 25? Gathering together. Listen, together as God leads. Together, right? Gather yourselves in troops. O daughter of troops, he has laid siege against us. They will smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. That's what the Jews did to Jesus. That's what happened to him on the cross when they gave him over to the Romans to murder him and to crucify him in John 19, 15, because, listen, they said, not this man, in John 18, verse 40. You want your own way? Yes. God left it up to you? No. Has he left it up to an initiation of his word in the proper order? Yes. And when you don't like that, what do you say? Not this man, I want this man this way. And guess what? By the grace of God in me, is that happening? It's not It's not happening. Right? But you, listen to what it says. Oh boy, this word. Bethlehem. Ephrata. Though you be little. Listen to me, we're little. Though you be little. You tell me which one of us is not little. Tell me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your position is in the body of Christ. And I don't care what your gift is. One thing we have in common. We're weak and we're little. Everybody. Weak. Weak. Hebrews 12, 1. Little. Psalm 119. 141. We're little. And we have little time, too, by the way, as little people. And I don't know about you. I'm tired of wasting it. Though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you Will he come forth unto me? That is to be ruler. Ruler here is in the Hebrews, guide. One who guides and feeds. That's what ruler does. He guides through feeding them. See? Ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of old from what? Eternity. Who's this talking about? Must be Christ, huh? Now this says millennial reign for the Jews. In Revelations the 20th chapter and verses 3 and 4, but for us, we're in Christ right now. Now, in type. Therefore, will he give them up until the time that she which travails has brought forth? Now that's speaking of the nation of Israel. He's given them up to their own decisions. How are they doing as a nation? How are they doing as Jews? You tell me. Listen, study church history. They were kicked out of thousands. Kicked out of country after country after country. Their possessions were taken from them. And we don't have to talk about the Nazis and what what happened as a result of that. But constantly, based upon their own decisions, lack of obedience, refusal, they didn't want that man. God forbid that we shouldn't want him in our experience. He will give him up. Until she travails, and that's the travailing is finally in Revelations 1-7. Behold, he comes with the clouds. Millions of us coming back with an innumerable host of angels also. But we'll be in the forefront with him based upon Revelations 19, 11-16. Because he won't separate himself from his bride. But he's taking the lead and we're following him as he comes back. Behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye will see him. And then it says, and they which also pierced him. The nation of Israel, that's when those 144,000 will turn to him in repentance and recognize they missed their Messiah. Amazing truth. And then the remnant of his brethren will return unto the children of Israel. Look at verse 4. And he will stand and it says feed. And that word feed is, again, it means rule. He's ruling and guiding us through feeding us. How does he guide today? Does he leave it up to individual Christians to guide themselves? If you read Hebrews 13.7, and especially 13.17, those that are living are your guides. They are men. Submitted and attached to the head that Christ is in Ephesians 4.8. We're to obey them, and then it says, them that have the rule over you. Not like rule, like legalism and making the pastor, everything. It means those that guide and feed you as they take the life of Christ in themselves individually, and it comes out through a gift to feed others. That's Hebrews 13, 17. And he will stand and feed, rule and guide in the strength of the Lord. Where's our strength located? It's in Christ. It's in his word, his will, his direction. His thoughts, not ours. In the majesty of the name, the nature of the Lord his God, and they will abide. Nothing will move them. They'll, huh? Ask what you will. Read John 15. Look at those first 11 verses. Abide in me, and guess what? I'll abide in you. And nothing will shake you. And then when you abide in me, you won't walk by sight, by your own desires. Mm -hmm. No, you you will gladly give that up. And you will consider that a pile of dung in Philippians 3.8. And not be found in you trying to make your own self right in Philippians 3.9, but you'll want to know him. Not having your own righteousness, not having your own way to do things, right? But But you'll want to know him in the power of his resurrection, and even in the fellowship of his suffering. Not suffering because of bad choices, but suffering because it's the life of Christ in you, and that's a badge of high honor and promotion. Oh boy, amazing. And he will stand... And feed, rule, and guide and the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord is God and they will abide and now he will be great unto the ends of all the earth. <laughs> That's millennial reign. But then it goes way into eternity by the time you get into Revelations chapter 21 and 22. The ages of the ages where we will always be the most dearest and nearest to him as his bride. And this man, look at what it says. Here it is Micah 5, verse 5. This man, who? This man will be the peace. When the Assyrian, and in type, that's the flesh in us, that doesn't want us to submit to He who is our peace, positionally having been one in Colossians 1. And verse twenty by the blood of his cross, and thank God that that has done that. The cross has separated the the world from me, and me from the world. in Galatians six fourteen, and no wonder there's no peace in there. God Almighty, I know that's for me, by the way. And this man will be the peace when the Assyrian, the flesh, will come into our land. All those promises that are mine, and the flesh wants to rob us of the experience of those those unchanging promises that are ours in Christ in 2 Corinthians 1.20. And when he will tread in our palaces, that flesh doesn't belong treading in the palace that Christ has made himself with us. It doesn't belong there. Oh, it just doesn't. In these palaces. What is that? We're to experience that right now. But no wonder he said, and John 14, and I'm going to read these, and we're going to wrap this up, and we are going to have to get into this on Friday, because we're not even coming close. (laughs) We, I'm we, and we means I'm with you, as the Holy Spirit's teaching us. I want to make that crystal clear. But um, look at what it says. Again, these palaces, right? These palaces. Look what it says. This is to be us. I'm going to make it clear. Is there any fear in love? Stop it. Stop it. Because if I'm living in fear, even if you love me, it can't find a place there because there's no love in fear. It keeps it out experientially. That's why submission is key, especially in marriage. Listen, John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Stop allowing your your mind and your emotions to be troubled. Don't you believe in God? Well, you say you do. Well, believe in me. Who's Christ? For us in the church. He's the head. Where does all our thinking come from? The head. Who are we? The body. Ephesians 5, the head. Colossians 1:18, the head. Colossians 2:19. the body, Ephesians 5:30. The one body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12: 12, 12, right through 28, especially 12, 12 and 13. So stop letting your heart be troubled. Stop allowing your mind and emotions to be troubled and make that your life constantly. Do you believe in God? Have you submitted to him? Well, then believe me. You know, is there any believing without submission? None. It's happening, folks. It's happening. I guarantee it. In my Father's house are many mansions, palaces, Didn't we read that? Stop allowing the flesh to invade the palace, the beautiful place where you live. (laughs) If it were not so, I never would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. You think he's doing something in us right now? A preparation for that? And Jesus, I don't want it, I don't want it your way. Yeah, I know, For Proverbs 14, 12, 16, 25. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but you know what the end of those ways are? If it's not his way, it's death, separation. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am, he's the great I am. Exodus three, eleven to 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If it's not God's way, There's no truth. If it's not truth, in the experience is their life. No, just the experience of death. Right? I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. Is that just position or should it be experience right now? Should it be? And boy, what we have in Christ. We are scratching this. This is Wednesday. We have to finish this on Friday because it's 8.57 already. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for the truth that so far, so beautifully you've given us. Thank you and praise you for the freedom that's ours in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And may we do and trust you and walk forward and what we already know to be true.